American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the Nighty Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Nighty Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and Nighty Min's top cat, Toby Cudworth. We are in full swing in the transfer window. There have been some confirmations of transfers this week from Manchester United. We are expecting very soon confirmation of Declan Rice and Urian Timber to Arsenal. Lots of money being thrown around, lots of money being spent. And there will be a hell of a lot more because we've got just under two months left of the transfer window. Toby, is it now in full swing? Absolutely. Although I was saying to Graham this morning, so many stories about so many of the same players, little twists and turns and little nuggets of information drip feeding out. But yeah, things are picking up, aren't they? Momentum is really, really going. And um, I don't think it's going to slow down before the beginning of the season. Yes, indeed. Graham, how is it going? Busy, busy, yes. Um, heating up outside. Really hot in the northeast today, but yeah. Um, Can we actually get through a podcast without talking about the weather at the start of it? No. Well, actually, um, it is slightly ashes-based as well, because I'm only up the road from, from Leeds, so I know TC would be interested to know the weather. Windy, blue skies, TC, look, looking good for the day. That's good. Lack of cloud cover is what we want, so the Aussies don't have the ball hooping round corners. Mm. This is not there a great podcast. Sorry, <laughs> this is this is a podcast about football transfers, talking transfers. Uh, please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on whichever social media platform you would like to follow us on, because Twitter is now Twitter now has a rival which is called Threads. Um, Toby has not joined it yet. Have you? Not yet, but I think I can't delay it, can I? I need to go and find out what the hype's all about. Graham is a prolific threader already. I'm a threadhead, aren't I? Yes. Wow. I think it's, I did read that yesterday. I don't, can't take credit for that. I did read that yesterday. So, yeah, um, we are on. I am on threads. Uh, Graham B. Bailey on threads. Graham B. Them. Bailey. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we- are we going to get a breaking exclusive of your middle name, or is that just because Graham Bailey was already taken? No, you're not going to get exclusive of my middle name, but um, you already <laughs> you already, you, already, you already know it because one of our bosses at Ninety Min shares that. Sorry, there's dogs. Um, yes, indeed. Uh, let's let's move on to uh, obviously those major uh, those po- those platforms on social. In the interest of keeping all of my names the same across all social platforms, I've changed mine. Double underscore Scott Saunders at Toby underscore Cudworth at Graham Bailey on Twitter and at Graham B Bailey on Threads, uh, but also Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, for a few of us, nightmin.com forward slash Talking Transfers for all the latest transfer news. Nightmin.com for all the the latest from the team. 
90min underscore football on all the social channels for the 90min brand itself. Today we'll talk Man United, Andre Onana, deal close. We'll talk Romeo Lavia, Moises Caicedo, Andre Santos, Dusan Vlajevic, Fede Valverde, Harvey Barnes, and some... There's an England versus Spain under-21 final taking place on Sunday, and there's some big names for the future playing in that game. So uh, we'll talk about that towards the end. There's players I've missed out there as well, so stay tuned. And uh, Graham, let's start with Andre Onana. We've covered this extensively uh, over the past few days. Man United locked in talks with Inter over a deal for the 27-year-old goalkeeper. David De Gea is out of contract. We await to see what United decide on with him, whether he leaves officially, uh, even though he's out of contract. But Andre Onana is the one that Eric Ten Hag has decided he wants in his net. And a deal is close. I mean, if you're listening to this later on Friday, chances are that we could even have, I think it's this close now, we could even have a deal struck in the, in the coming hours. Is that right, Graham? Yeah. As from on the last pod on Tuesday, this will be done by the time we come again on Tuesday. It really will. Um, they're very close now. We we think um, what we're told from the interim, Scott, that between 53 and 55 million euros, um, which is about 45 million pounds to 47, that's where it's going to come in at. Very close now. Personal terms done. The player's made it clear in recent weeks that he wants to go to United. Once once he knew the United interest was firm, that's when he has really pushed into to do this. Inter always planned to sell Onana this summer. We've spoke about this on the podcast before. Once they knew they weren't getting the screen yard money, um, Onana was one of their biggest assets to sell. They're getting that sale done now. And um, yeah, um, to be done over the weekend. And at which point... We would expect David De Gea's um, release to come, Scott. But in this madcap world, you never know. Does he sign a new deal and stay as number two? We don't think so. Um, but yeah, Onana will be confirmed, and we we will then have a clear indication of what David De Gea is doing as well. It would be very interesting to see Man United sign Andre Onana and David De Gea still sign a contract, wouldn't it, Toby? Yeah, I can't see a world where that happens. To be honest, I think De Gea's race. Is finally running Manchester. Just um, just listening to that, though, you do wonder what is next for De Gea because he shunned the interest from Saudi Arabia initially because he wanted to stay at United. But with that outcome now looking less and less likely, do we think, Graham, that Saudi Arabia is going to be back on the radar? I haven't seen many other links or heard anything else about De Gea and, and mainland Europe. No, yeah, I think Saudi would, would like to take him, would would push him. I think this is just to the credit of De Gea and what a person he is, that he hasn't really been speaking with many other people. He hasn't been pushing many other people. And, um, yeah, I so said we'll find out over the weekend. You would, There doesn't appear to have many openings for someone of his calibre in Spain. You know, our black is still there, Atletico in, in, in France. I don't don't see Paris Saint Germain coming from me So I don't think there's that many openings. You know, ironically, biggest opening in Europe would probably be at Inter, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, they could do a lot worse, I think. So it'd be interesting. But no, I, yeah, we'd be surprised if it wasn't Saudi. But you never you never know. I think I think there probably are others who are keeping a close eye on the situation because he still would be quite a good free transfer for someone. So the question is, well, Toby, we, we spoke about this off air before we started. Uh, Graham's point of contention is that Man United have made two signings, spent £100 million 
and still not signed a striker. Uh, we'll get into the conversation, I guess. I, it seems like we do this and criticize Man United's transfer strategy on every show, and then I have to come in and explain why they're doing this. Uh, but how uh, how much of a necessity, in your view, Toby, is Andrea Nana compared to Davidea? It's huge because the confidence that a team has usually is built on the foundation of how good your goalkeeper is at every every area of the game. De Gea has been a wonderful shot stopper for years. That's never been in question. He has made howlers, but typically he's won United more points than he's lost them. But you can't get away from the fact that De Gea's distribution has never been great. And in particular, over the last couple of years, has been extremely poor. There were lots of examples last season of De Gea giving the ball away and United conceding big chances or actually conceding goals. And I think Eric Ten Hag wants that solidity and the foundation of his team to not give the ball away. And it's crucial for him to have a goalkeeper who has got good distribution. And I referenced pre-pod, Man City have won five of the last six Premier League titles. And we know that they've got an unbelievable squad and they've spent loads of money on the best players in the world to achieve that. But arguably one of their most important signings in that time was Edison because they recognised the need for a goalkeeper who could not only stop the ball, but also play the ball short. Edison's also got a cannon of a long kick on him, tremendously accurate. And it's one of the things Pep wanted to address. He did it when he brought Claudio Bravo in the year before. So for United to bring Onana in now, I think is a necessity. Um, They do need a number nine. Of course they do. But I don't think this should be viewed as bad business that the goalkeeper situation is perhaps being resolved before they bring in a new striker. Graham, counter the point. No, I, I, I think Onana is one of the best proponents of the way he plays in Europe. There's no doubt about that. My only issue with, with United's ad hoc transfer dealings is this wasn't the plan six weeks ago. This wasn't what they were briefing. This wasn't what they were going for. Um, that, that's the only issue I have with it. You know, Mason Mount's come in. Um, Onana's coming in. Hoyland's continuing. I think of, of those, Onana um, does help them close the gap on the top two. If it is Hoyland and Mount, they don't, and and that that's that's my only issue, Scott, with uh, with with what United have been doing. I, I'm frustrated for United fans. I think you know I said they needed those two players, a striker and a midfielder, and if they got Onana on top of that, brilliant. Um, I, I I still worry about what United are doing. Um, a lot of it is out of their hands. We know with the takeover and other issues off the field. Clearly, that that's an issue, and they've had to change. So, but no, in terms of Onana. I, I don't have any issue with him coming in. He is, what he does, he is one of the best best in the world. There's no doubt about that. Can I ask you, Scott, from a United point of view, with Onana going and going to Gea coming out, does it lift the pressure on some of United's performances? Because week after week after week, there was a focus and a bit of a cloud hanging over David De Gea. What's he going to do this week? And when he made a mistake, the pressure obviously ramped up. So won't that be lifted if... He's no longer in the picture, and I know no, not and Onana, sorry, is coming in with a clean slate. Well, I'll say this to start with: I think Andre Onana will inevitably make some mistakes because that's the that's the way that he does play. A uh, big question on how he will deal with that because the pressure at United is is as big as the top clubs in the world. If he can continue to be brave and play the the way that he wants, which I think he will, I think it'll be a successful signing. I also think, and this is this is. See what you you think of this. If Harry Maguire stays and he's playing 
with a player who's not going to pass him the ball with his back to the opposition goal, I think a player like Harry Maguire could actually improve, personally. I think this signing, personally, I think will transform the way that Eric Ten Hag is able to play football. I think if you have a goalkeeper who doesn't hesitate before sweeping anything in his own half, your defence can probably be a little bit more confident that I can push up a little bit. Harry Maguire can probably be a bit more confident that, hey, I'm not that quick, but somebody behind me is going to cover me. He can probably be a little bit more confident. Harry Maguire could be given the ball higher up the pitch to run into positions like he did when he was playing for Leicester, which are higher up the pitch. I'm not saying he will, but he's not going to play very much to me. But Varane and and Martinez are the two players who are going to be first choice at centre-back. But I just think... What Onana will do, as well as being... He's not uh, probably not as good a shot stopper as David De Gea has been over the years, but he adds so much more to the overall game. He can probably hit any of the other 10 players on the pitch with his passing. And he gives the defenders confidence to play higher up. So then if you have a goalkeeper who can cover most of the, their own half and those balls in behind, which teams will never inevitably try to do, United's entire front 10 can probably play on the halfway line and squeeze. That means the press becomes better. That means the space is condensed. So that's kind of how I see United transforming. And well, it's going to take some time probably, but I think Eric Ten Hag discovered in Brentford 4, Man United nil, that, hey, I can't play the, I, the way that I want to play with this team. And David De Gea is one of those players that just didn't fit the bill for me. So I, I see why they're doing it personally. I think that's quite a key point, isn't it? Just turning Harry Maguire around. So he's not facing his own goal in his penalty area. is a big thing. Onana being able to give the ball to Casemiro and nine times out of ten he finds him and the pressure is off Maguire to be able to play his way out of trouble. And football is a confidence game, isn't it? We saw De Gea when he was at his absolute best was when he was producing top quality performance after top quality performance. But when the errors start creeping in, it kind of bleeds into other players on the pitch. And I think Harry Maguire has been a bit of a victim of that. It's been the circumstances around him at United haven't helped him. He's made individual mistakes, yes, but he's been put in some pretty poor situations. And as you say, Scott, I think just getting United 10, 15 yards up the pitch and having more of a sweeper keeper rather than a traditional goalkeeper could make a huge difference moving forward. So that's it on the United front. We expect Andre Onana to eventually agree a deal. Graham, can can you see the benefits in Onana? Do you feel like... Obviously, you just mentioned that you can, but how much of a good case did I put across there? I think for the United fans, you want to look at positives of this window. I think you put a lot there. I would remind them that the best keeper in the Premier League was a, um, a team who didn't finish in the top four at Liverpool. So um, keepers do make a difference, but... If the rest of the team isn't there, then you're not going to win anything. Well, the rest of the team played a hell of a lot better than Liverpool did last season with a goalkeeper who wasn't very good. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Liverpool because they are one of the teams in the hunt for Romeo Lavia along with Chelsea and Arsenal. We'll talk Chelsea more after this section, but what is the situation with Romeo Lavia as it stands, Graham? Yeah, it's gearing up. Um, he, he's becoming one of the most in-demand players in England. Now, he has all the major clubs looking at him. Liverpool, Arsenal and Chelsea, the main three as it stands. They've all spoken with his people, um, touch base. They're, they're more advanced, those three, of any of the others. 
United, City, and Newcastle are being kept informed of the situation, but they're not as advanced as those three. Arsenal, as we mentioned, um, we I did say on a previous pod, I do expect them to move for another midfielder. And Lavia is very high up in that. You know, Thomas Partey and Jorginho, their long-term futures are, are far from certain. And Lavia is someone who they really like. Liverpool, the same thing. They've looked around, you know, Kefram Turam, Manu Kone, Ryan Gravenberch, who probably looks if he's staying now at Bayern, which is one reason Liverpool have moved off him. Lavia fits fits the bill for them. And Chelsea as well. As we said, Chelsea, amazingly, might be a bit short in midfield, as Toby said on the last pod. So they like him as well. Joe Shields is there, the former recruitment chief at Southampton. He's at Chelsea now, so he's pushing that. The issue is that Southampton are demanding £50 million for him. Nobody's paying £50 million for Romeo Lavia. I think the clubs believe a deal of 14 under will get it done eventually. And I probably believe that as well. I think with add-ons that'll happen. But it does mean this one isn't going to get done this week. It will drag on for a few weeks. He may even start the season at Southampton, something he doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to play in the championship. So we might see the progression with this. But as it stands, and interestingly as well, Lavia hasn't really signified which club he wants to join. There isn't a fear there, which is sensible. You know, you put all your eggs in one basket um, and you are, you, are, you are literally doing that. You're taking a risk if they don't come up with it. So I think Lavi is fairly open where he wants to go here. So a few twists and turns to come here. And I really, at this moment in time, I couldn't, I wouldn't like to put a bet on where he's going. I think if Arsenal get rid of party, I have a slight feeling they'll be pushing Chelsea for him. Uh, question on... Man United, we've already spoken about their need for a striker. Rasmus Hoyland, we've reported on on has been the, the target. And I think United think that they can get that one done. I suppose with their budget restrictions, they will need to then sell players in order to raise money for another midfielder like a Romeo Lavia. Do you think the time frame works out, Graham, in, in the sense of, do you think that's going to take United a bit too long to be properly in the race for him? Or do we think Lavia can go until late August? I think you're probably right. So I think this is a player who, all being equal, United probably would be in for. Um, they've, done, they've done due diligence on him. They like him. But as you say, they really are, especially midfield, you know, Fred McTominay available, um, other areas of squad, Alanga still like, They need to move players on. And I think that will hamper them um, for Lavia in case this deal progresses quickly. But yeah, if he's still there in August, um, I wouldn't really United out. But I say we are dependent on totally on what United um, do in terms of sales. Once they get the striker in, it looks like being Hoyland um, and even the, even the defender as well. So I think this other midfielder might be is wanted, but he may be at the back of the queue in terms of what United are looking to do. Let's focus on Chelsea. Uh, Graham, you wrote this week, Chelsea are ready to bid for Moises Caicedo from Brighton. Moises Caicedo is viewed by Brighton as equivalent in value to Declan Rice, who is going to be confirmed by Arsenal any day now as their record signing, the British record signing, £105 million. Brighton want £100 Is that a bluff? Is that serious? Are Brighton prepared to drag this out? What are we thinking? It's not a bluff. They they are serious in in their, their valuation of him. I, I, I don't. I, but I think it, they are more looking at eighty plus twenty, something like that. That's what the clubs believe, anyway. 
you know, Brighton think that Caicedo's as good as Rice. Um, I know some on this pod won't agree. I, I, I'm sorry, somewhere in between. I don't think he's far off. I think he's got a higher ceiling, personally. But I don't think he's quite there yet. So, yeah, I, I think United, Brighton are willing to stand firm to a certain extent. Because, um, you know, they, they did lose McAllister for that release clause, which they said they didn't have in the end. Caicedo doesn't have a release clause. But I think Chelsea are willing to go to three figures, just not in terms of that rice thing, in terms of... I, I think they would go to a 70-30, 80-20, that sort of region, that ballpark, Scott, but I don't see them going to 100-plus like the like Arsenal did for rice. So I think there is um, there is play, play there um, for them to do, but Chelsea really are leading this. They want him, and there is confidence that they get this done um, before, before their pre-season really kicks in which is probably, what, 10 days away. Can I ask, bringing Man United back into the conversation, Mason Mount mm-hmm. has signed officially. Mm-hmm. It was about a week ago, I think, that it was Man United <laughs> are going to go for Moises Caicedo. Chelsea, we're going to come for your top target. Mm-hmm. Still the case? <laughs> uh, we did we did speculate on the pod, didn't we? There was an, a nice little body swerve, Miss um, Mount-esque body swerve there. Again, I think all things all things being equal, Scott, I think they probably would be quite like him. But unfortunately for them, it's not. You know, um, if it's if a takeover went through in the next week or so, which we don't envisage, maybe. Well, we might be confirmed, but the money won't be there. So, I think it's a player who United like in an ideal world they would go for. But I don't think it's quite on the menu at the minute. What about going back to Chelsea? Well, T- Toby, do you th- I'll ask you on Caicedo before we move on. Is he worth Declan Rice money? No, not at the moment. <laughs> but, I, but I do agree with what Graham says. I think Caicedo might have a higher ceiling than Declan Rice. He's certainly a more rounded player, I think, for 21 than Rice was. Rice has been exceptional for the last two years, but he was still learning his game. Um, even in 2021, he wasn't the player that he is now, whereas Caicedo, I think, has shown in a very short amount of time at Brighton, that he's almost there. He will probably be a better player than Declan Rice. He's maybe got even more positional versatility than Rice. He filled in at right back for Brighton last year when was needed. Um, as of right now, I don't think he could command the fee, and that's why I don't think Chelsea will will play ball for £100 million. I think Graham's right. If they wanted to get anywhere near that figure, it would be a far reduced amount in terms of guaranteed money and a much higher proportion of add-ons. Um, Brighton within their rights, though, to to demand that kind of money. I think they've lost out a bit on Alexis McAllister. That release clause has shot them in a, foot a little bit. And that's maybe the first misstep we've seen from Brighton in the transfer market because they usually make massive money on players. And they did still make a profit on McAllister, but arguably they lost out on 20, 30 million for him because of that clause that was in his contract. So are they trying to make up for that with Caicedo? Not for me to say, but, you know, put two and two together, it could be a factor. Graham, reports from Portugal early this week suggested Andre Santos was closing in on a loan to, I think, I believe it was Porto. Not the case. There is interest there, Scott. Not just Porto, from uh, neighbours uh, sporting from Inter and AC Milan um, and a few others besides. As, as we said in the pub before, Chelsea think they've got a gem in Andre Santos and they are going to allow him to have pre-season. Poch wants to have a look at him. 
um, and just to see what he's got. And, and so the next few weeks will be huge for Andre Santos. If he is going to play a part in Chelsea's Premier League campaign next season, we will soon find out. And, and it's the same with a few players there as well. You know, um, Chuck Wemaker, um, the English midfielder, he's kind of Chuck Wemaker. He's, he's, he's in that same territory where if he wants to be part of the squad, he's going to have to prove it. Um, Casari Cassidi, the Italian, I think he's more likely to be guaranteed a loan. A lot of interest in him, but again, he's been given a chance. So, and, and, and as we've discussed, even with Caicedo and maybe even Lavia coming in, I still think there's room in that midfield. Chelsea have lost an awful lot of midfield talent. So we'll have to see where these, um, what these young players do. And and you could argue Levi Colwell's in that same boat where he's been, guaranteed, he's been told he will be part of this first team, but it's going to be a huge pre-season for him as well. And a lot of these Chelsea youngsters, I think they will get a chance under Poch, but they're going to have to prove it. Looking more and more likely to me that Conor Gallagher's not going to be going anywhere. Because other than Conor Gallagher, Enzo Fernandez is the only central midfielder guaranteed to be at Chelsea. We're talking about everybody else potentially leaving on loan. So I think that bodes well for Gallagher staying at Stamford Bridge, but it does sound like they need one or two more. If Poch is thinking, I need to have a look at these boys and see whether or not they're at first team level, Caicedo's got to come in and you'd think that they've got to push for Lavia, surely. Otherwise, they are going to be light. It makes a lot of sense, TC. And I think Gallagher's one of those where... If he is to go, it won't be till late in August when we know what his situation is, where Gallagher's probably waiting for the first game of the season as well. And obviously, we do see that in, the, in England, don't we, in the Premier League, when it kicks off this year, August 12th, or the 11th at Turf Moor for Burnley. A lot of these players won't know until that opening weekend if they genuinely are part of these plans. You can be told, can't you, pre-season, oh yeah, you're part of my plans, part of my plans. But if some of these players, if they're sat on the bench that opening weekend, they will become available. And there'll be a few at Chelsea like that. It was interesting to hear Mason Mount say that he'd, it was made clear to him or it had become clear that he wasn't part of Chelsea's plans moving forward. And that's why he pushed for the, the United exit. Do we uh, do we believe that fully, Graham? Or do you think there's more to it? I think previous regime, I don't know, Graham Potter, certainly. You can believe that, you know. And as you said... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There was just too much bad blood there. It had gone on in the past. I think Mount himself possibly might have been won over, but with his dad and his agents and Chelsea, there just wasn't a deal there to be had in the end, um, unfortunately for them. And um, yeah, I, I think Mount is probably the biggest victim of that of that Graham Potter regime, really, because it just wasn't working. And, and that in the end was the straw that put the camel's back. One player who could be following him out of Chelsea is Christian Pulisic to Milan, Graham. Yeah, fascinating one, this one. Um, Leon, win for him as well, but 
Milan have come in strong for him. Interestingly, we're told that Milan see him as number 10, which is fascinating, which suggests that's why they're still looking at like likes of Chuck Wezu from Villarreal. And so I think he's probably the Charles de Catley replacement. And it's, I think it's a it's a fascinating sign from Milan, a good one, because it's it's a way of jettisoning um, a Paolo Maldini signing, which didn't work out. And then this new regime is going to bring Pulisic in. Um, it's going to be a permanent deal. It's personal terms done around about 20 to 25 million. So, yeah, he's one who I think he was offered the chance to, again, try his luck in pre-season with Chelsea. But I think he just wanted to wipe the slate clean. He wanted to start again. Big club in AC Milan. I think it's a good move all around for um, for Christian Pulis. We'll move on to another player in Serie A. Dusan Vlajevic. And still talking about Chelsea, because uh, Chelsea are the ones doing a hell of a lot of business here. Graham, you've maintained throughout the summer that Nicholas Jackson and whoever else Chelsea have as their main striking options are not really enough. And you have maintained that Chelsea want a first choice, big name number nine. Victor Osserman is expensive. Dusan Flyovich is more gettable, correct? Yeah, very much so, Scott. Um, there's, there's been talks now. Um, Juventus have brought a new um, sporting director in, uh, Cristiano Gentuli, who has arrived from Napoli. And there's been a lot of issues on his to-do list, really. And he's been talking in the background. I don't even know if he's been officially confirmed, but he has been talking in the background to um, Chies, Federico Chiesa and to Max Allegri and to Vlaovic. They needed to sort this out. Um, Allegri looks like he's staying now. He's rejected Saudi. He's not going anywhere. And and that's, a, that's one of the main reasons Vlaovic is, is confirming his intention to leave Scott. He wants out. Juventus are looking to get the money back on him, around £70 million. So that fee, Scott, he really is. He was on the list of these clubs who want nines anyway. So the magnated Chelsea, Bayern Munich, he was already on the list. But the fact that he's available for that price tag is is really appealing to these teams. And as I've said on the previous one, Chelsea need a new number nine. And I'm convinced that it'll be Vlaovic Osimhen. I think Osimhen, as it stands, is available, but Napoli are asking for 150 million euros as we stand. And that's an awful lot of money. Even for Chelsea to swallow in FFP, that's an awful lot of money for them to come up with. And Vlaovic at 70, I think if Pochettino, we're hearing that Pochettino might have a liking for Vlaovic. And if he does... That makes an awful lot of sense. Um, I think Vlaovic will see, after these talks have been with Juventus and the hierarchy this week, I think we'll see Vlaovic in the next week or so really accelerating. And as it stands, I think Chelsea are clear favourites. Toby, uh, the Chelsea number nine curse is a real thing. I can't remember exactly. Do they have a number nine currently? Because Dusan Vlaovic... Is Romelu Lukaku technically their number nine in terms of shirt number? I can't remember, but they don't have anybody else. As you talk about whether Dusan Vlajevic will fall to the number nine curse if he joins, I will check that. Will you... History would suggest that he could fall victim to it, but I think Vlajevic, I was disappointed actually when he didn't join Arsenal in January 2022 and he opted to go to Juventus because he'd been really, really good for Fiorentina and I think he's got all of the attributes to be a success in the Premier League. So on that basis, I think he could work well for Chelsea. And 
were he to come in this season, there's obviously no pressure of European football, so he'd be fully able to focus on acclimatising to life in England. I don't know if he'd scored a boatload of goals in the coming season because Chelsea are going to need to transition to life under Poch and playing a different way. But I think moving forward, Vlaovic has got a very high ceiling and does have the capability to be Chelsea's leading striker for the next few years. Whether or not that happens remains to be seen. I also think he would be perfect for Bayern. But, you know, we'll see whether or not Bayern are prepared to put their hands in their pockets and pay what Juventus are looking for. But at 70 million euros-ish, you'd think he represents good value for money, particularly when you compare it to Victor Osman's current asking price. There is no designated number nine in last season's squad numbers list for Chelsea. So yes, it was Romelu Lukaku and that didn't go particularly well. Graham, uh, you mentioned, we're talking about Vlajevic there, just a few notes. <clears throat> Juventus looking at Rasmus Hoyland as one of the potential replacements for him. Uh, are United too far in advance with this deal? Yeah, I would think so, because Gentuli's come in a bit too late, I think. Although Juve have had a, a long-standing interest in him. Jonathan David's name has come up as well. Yeah, I think Hoyland is pressing for United. He really wants that United move, um, so I think it's looking likely. Still, obviously, Vlaovic fascinating with United. We we spoke about Scott. United have always liked Vlaovic since last year. Um, they were fascinated, but in fact, he might be available. But I think they are going down the, the really young version in terms of Highland. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if, if United did have a look at Vlavic as well. But yeah, I, th- I think that one's down the road. And yeah, I think um, it's a bit too late for Juve in that regard. But you never know. Um, but yeah, um, Juve will be looking for a replacement um, on the back of this. And it's fascinating. Yeah, I must say, Highland's agents are doing a rem- remarkable job of <laughs> shopping around Europe and getting a lot of takers. But it's it's the summer of the number nine. So it's a, sometimes it's you know it's the right place at the right time. Um, it is for a lot of these strikers. Same with Labic, where if ever if it, you know would you get a move from Juve? He, he had a decent season last time, not great, and obviously he'll blame that relationship with Allegri. But it's just. You know, it's just a lot of clubs are looking for these number nines, so it's the right time, isn't it? You know, other summers where everyone's well stocked, would Vlavic get his move? Maybe not, but I just think it's the right time for him as well. Uh, it's not in the running order, but we have to throw in Kylian Mbappe. Uh, there mm. was a, there was a, <laughs> whether you can put him in the number nines market, and you know, yeah, you you probably can, but I think maybe he sees himself in a different position. But anyway. Uh, PSG saying this week, sign a new deal or leave and we'll sell you because you're not leaving for free. Uh, not Nothing prepared here, Graham, but yeah. this is made for Madrid this year. It is. We did a piece on Mbappe what, 10 days ago now, I think, wasn't it, Toby? Um, PSG are trying to strong arm Mbappe, trying to make out that they've got the power. I know that Mbappe's mother um, has been in the talks, his agent, that, that, PSG and because he hasn't taken up the option, PSG is not in a strong position here. They're really not. They can't. El Khalifi, I think. What did he say before about Mbappe? Where he said he he would never ever sell him or something like that. Yeah, something, he did say that before. I think. Yeah, something silly like that. And he's in this position where it's not up to you. Sorry, you can be the <laughs> richest man in football, whatever. It's not up to you. It's up to Mbappe. And I think Real Madrid will come in for him. Florentino Perez is, from what I'm told, not quite obsessed with Mbappe, but as close to it as as you can get. A lot of people in Madrid, there is a real split in the camp in Madrid, I'm told. There really is between what 
Florentino Perez wants and what most of the rest of the club wants. And the rest of the club want Harry Kane. They think he's the ideal fit for this Real Madrid team, where it's going, Benzema replacement. However, Florentino Perez, he, he's got to get it right most of the time, to be fair to him. But he and he but he wants Mbappe. And I think Perez feels he's he's promised Mbappe that move, Scott. I think that's what he feels. And I think that's where it'll go. I think there's a chance it happens this summer, but I don't see Real going over 150 million euros. If, if PSG are asking for 200, as we think they are, it doesn't get done this summer. Well, t- Toby, like to bring you in here, like he has said effectively he's not leaving on a free transfer. You either sign a new contract or we're selling you. So, but no, you like Graham says, you, you have no power in this situation. What are you going to force Mbappe to like? Are you, you're either going to force Mbappe to sign a contract or you're going to sell him or you're going to force Real Madrid to pay you 150, 180 million euros. Well, you can't do either. So really, all the power is in Mbappe's hands. And if Real Madrid play it smart, which they inevitably probably will, you can drag this out all summer and say, hey, oh, well, we'll give you 100 on August 31st. And then it's like, what do we do? We don't want, it, we don't want him to leave for free. Can we wait till January? And then he's going to cost 60. Well, you know, I'm just throwing throwing numbers out there. But they're not in a strong position. No, I th- and I think that's exactly what Real Madrid will do. Um, clearly, they didn't envisage carrying Benzema leaving, but they don't need to give PSG what they want here. They can bide their time. Um, the ball is fully in their court, and PSG do run a serious, serious risk of losing potentially one of the greatest forwards we're ever going to see on a free transfer. Um, Mbappe certainly is in the number nine conversation, by the way. He will absolutely have to be the centre-forward at Real Madrid because of Vinicius. Um, You can't see him moving role within the team, and he's been electric over the last 18 months. And the sound of that front line, Vinicius, Mbappe, Rodrigo, who's getting better and better, and you'd argue Real Madrid will probably look to strengthen with a new right-winger maybe in the next couple of years. Adagula already in there, TC. Yeah, yeah. It, the <laughs> Just looking at a picture of him holding up his uh, his number 24. And, and, and that's not included. And that, obviously, we'll come on to Valverde thing in a minute. I, I agree with you, TC. I, I think they might. I think I think if Perez forces this through, it is to be as a centre-forward. I agree. I agree, Toby. I think they'll... From what I'm told, there is worries about the impact on Vinicius. So I think they'll look after Vinicius. They'll make sure they look after him. And, and yeah, and... Again, totally agree with anything you said, Scott. And the thing is, the problem PSG have got is there's no other suitors here. That's the, that's the problem we've got. There's, there's no auction happening. Everyone knows where he wants to go. Everyone knows where he's going. And hey, hey, Real, and what's to say Real Madrid don't pull off a double free transfer capture? And Bappi and Kane, can we see it happening, guys? I wouldn't say it's impossible. I wouldn't say. It's but then, likely. where do you fit them all? Likely either. <laughs> yeah. Are you um? Are you also telling me, Graham, that the wild speculation of Liverpool making a two hundred million euro move for Kylian Mbappe is just not true? It was three hundred million euros. Oh, I've seen both figures, but surely you're not telling me that that's not the case. I, I think there's as much chance of seeing. Uh, I think there's a lot less chance of seeing Valverde and Mbappe at Anfield than there is at. What about? I have. I've seen this this week, Graham. Mbappe loan to Arsenal. I'm sure I've seen that this week. Well, like, what? Uh, again, again, would you know Mbappe? If he was a number nine, it would make life a lot easier for everyone. You know, I can I can see Mbappe playing that Jesus role very well. Actually, <laughs> he's not that out and out set forward. Um, I haven't seen that, Scott. To be honest, um, it could just be Twitter speak. To be fair, 
But, you know, uh, you know, yeah. hey, in, in this world of football, you never know. But yeah, I think um, Mbappe is all white and he'll be in Real Madrid colours. But I agree with you. I think it'll go, it could run to the end of August. And um, it works to Madrid's of, advantage, you know. It, so. it does. There's no need to spend. There's no need to spend that sort of money now. And and could the the only thing is that if it is Ancelotti's last season, he will want another number nine. Here. I, I think that's why he will be pushing particularly for Harry Kane because you know if he got Harry Kane in there, that team that team could be as near to perfection almost, couldn't it? What a team that would be with Valverde, Bellingham, Vinicius, Harry Kane. That would be absolutely mouth watering. I think that's why someone like Ancelotti would push for the finished product as a number nine. Let's let's just do Fede Valverde while we're on Madrid. Yeah, um, there's a bit more speculation about him, but he's not going anywhere. And that's not to say clubs haven't shown interest to have. Um, my understanding, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, you've all asked about Valverde. They're making sure that there's availability. Bellingham's come in. Ardegula, the young, the new Lionel Messi from Turkey has come in. They're all doing the due diligence, you know. If you don't ask, you don't get. So they, all these clubs have asked, buying. I, I'd be amazed if, if United hadn't asked. If Arsenal, everyone's asking about Valverde. If he's available, we want him. I love Valverde, as everyone does. You know, what a player. You know, he's, I just, he reminds me of Guti, but with so much more talent. I love Valverde. I think he's brilliant. Wow. Uh, he's one of the best players. I think Valverde just isn't getting the, Valverde for me is, is in the world 11 and he's that good. I absolutely think he's, I absolutely love him as a player and, and Real Madrid do as well and so does Florentino Perez um, unless at the moment the only way to get him out is paying his billion euro release clause and that isn't happening so clubs have asked but he's not going anywhere he's just his second child in the last week actually so congratulations to him but he's staying at um, Santiago Bernabeu Toby Guti with more talent uh, I mean I, I love Guti yeah I love Guti um Guti was. Pre- I'm going to pick up the main difference. Guti was left-footed, right, and Valverde's yeah. right-footed. So, polar opposite in that regard. But um, Guti was a very good all-around player. Valverde, yeah, you could probably say he's an exceptional all-round player. Could do every role in central midfield and um, did a really good job, didn't he? When Ancelotti pushed him further forward on the right-hand side, didn't just plug a gap. Arguably, made that position stronger for Real Madrid um, and enabled them to play a certain way. So. Not surprising to see everybody wanting him, but also not surprising at the same time to see Real Madrid say he's not leaving. Uh, quote from Arda Guler, who's just joined Madrid. I won't leave on loan. Not an option. I want to stay and play for Madrid. And he's obviously chosen the all-white of Madrid over Barcelona. And I personally quite enjoyed that. Uh, but hey, let's uh, let's move on to putting some irons in the fire. Toby, I can fire some names at you, or you can take it away. All right, we'll start with what West Ham are planning to do post Declan Rice, who incidentally is having his medical at Arsenal today as we record this. So Friday morning, we're recording this. Rice undergoing his medical. Expect that deal to be completed within the next 24 hours, should all go to plan. That means West Ham have got a load of money to spend. All right, they haven't received all of that rice fee up front, but they do need to replace him. Uh, Plenty of wiggle room in the transfer market and strengthening clearly needed because West Ham are in next season's Europa League. They're looking at a raft of defensive midfielders. I think we've mentioned many of them on the podcast already. The one that's advancing a little bit further is Dennis Zakaria of Juventus. 
who spent last season on loan at Chelsea. Didn't get much of a look in there, but West Ham exploring a potential loan deal with an option to buy for him. And he would align as more of a Tim Steeden uh, signing. He's West Ham's new technical director. Spent a lot of time in Germany and, of course, Zakaria made his name at Borussia Mönchengladbach. So West Ham looking at him. Edson Alvarez also still an option. Um, and they're looking at Harvey Barnes, West Ham. We reported last week and we said on the podcast that West Ham in talks with Leicester over him. Newcastle also in the mix here. They're talking to Leicester about Harvey Barnes. And we know that they want a new left-sided forward with Alan Saint-Maximin generating a lot of Saudi interest. So neither of these close to being done, but I think West Ham now needing to get on the front foot to look for the Rice replacement because the move is imminent. And Zakaria, if that move doesn't come off, there's a number of other um, players who have been identified. Whether or not that remains the case, we'll see because Tim Steedham may have his own ideas about targets um, West Ham should be going after. There is a player still there, Gianluca Scamacca. What's happening? Gianluca Scamacca would like to go back to Italy. Um, didn't have a great first season at West Ham. Struggled to to bounce back from injury. Didn't really suit the style of play. In fact, he only scored three Premier League goals last season in 16 appearances. Roma have been wanting to take him back to Serie A. A loan deal again with a an option or an obligation to buy one or t'other. But West Ham not really interested in parting ways right now. If if they're going to do a deal, they need to have a concrete replacement lined up for him because they've only got Mikel Antonio as the alternative. So nothing doing, uh, so to speak. Roma still wants him. AC Milan and Atalanta also interested in Scamacca if he becomes available. And this could be another one that, as of right now, isn't happening. But if West Ham move forward with other targets, we could see him leave before the end of August. Uh, so I have seen this week his name being mentioned. This is like pure, this is again, social media stuff. Skamaka to Man United. <laughs> Would he fit in there? We can brush past this, but in terms of the type of player he is, is, is all I wanted to ask. Well, he's, he's not a West Ham type of player. Put it that way. West Ham, very defensive, counter-attacking, lump the ball up and hope that Skamaka will turn around and run at the opposition defence. That's not him. I think in a team with a more aggressive style of play, more forward thinking, Skamaka's actually really, really good on the ball. I think he's underrated in that capacity. Um, Links up play nicely. Obviously very good in the air. Um, And he's a tremendous finisher. Scored a couple of goals for West Ham in Europe last season that were real cannons from outside of the box. I wouldn't say that he's not capable of playing for a bigger team. PSG, don't forget, wanted him before he went to West Ham. So clearly he's got something about him. I wouldn't put him in the fixed Manchester United's number nine category. But I wouldn't say that were that move ever to come to fruition that Skamaka would flop. He'd do a lot better at Man United than I think he's done at West Ham purely because of the style of football that's on offer. There is nothing in that, by the way. It's just look at what. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I suspect the link may have come from look at what Eric Ten Hag did to the last West Ham flop. Yeah, Sebastian Halle, obviously, he worked wonders with him. There are we have one final section of the show. There is nothing, as we understand, by the way, in Skamaka and Man United. I'm, I'm, we're not saying that. 
just a question for Toby. Uh, anyway, there is an under-21 final on Sunday. England are in it. I'm not English, so I don't really care. You guys probably willing the boys on. Uh, they play Spain. Uh, Graham, but there are some star names in each of these teams. But there's how many players do you want to talk about who's going to feature in this game? Is it just one or several? Um, I think it's a few interesting ones. Um, the game is live now on English TV as well. For everyone listening, if you do want to watch it, it's live on Channel 4 after the Grand Prix. So uh, will be a good watch on Sunday. There's a few in the Spanish team. Um, we were talking off pod actually, Scott, where, um, about the game. And I don't, Toby, you didn't hear this, but you know, the Spanish under 21 team, there's one player age 21, the rest are 22 and 23. Half his team are 23. It might literally be men against boys for this game. So don't be expecting a walkover if you're an English fan. This is going to be a lot more difficult than Israel in the semi final. Abel Ruiz, striker, 23 year old Braga player up front, was at Barcelona. Uh, My understanding, a lot of English teams are keeping an eye on him, have been watching him. Did well at Braga last year. The likes of Newcastle, West Ham, ultra, ultra, ultra technical. Um, not dissimilar to a uh, Goncalo Ramos, but maybe a lot cheaper. Maybe even better on the ground. Some would argue. Fascinating player. Keep an eye on him, guys. I think he's one who a lot on Sunday we're watching that. But there's a lot of players in this team. Um, Ihan Sanchez, the Bilbao maestro, is going to be playing number ten because he's actually keeping Gabri Vega, the player who we all know we've all been talking about. He's keeping Gabby Vega up the Spanish team. So a lot of people might watch this and think, who's this guy at Bilbao? But as we know from Football Manager fame and from watching Bilbao, he's a special player. And, and I'm amazed he's not being linked to more, to be honest. But um, he, he's a wonderful player as well. And then, obviously, England. Not many of this English team believe leaving. I think Levi Colwell will be the centre of attention. But Ante, I, I'm fascinated guy by the role Anthony Gordon will play because I think that does impact on the way Newcastle is going into the transfer market. But not, I don't think Newcastle are looking for a right forward because of the way Anthony Gordon is shaping up to play and he'll play in a very attacking role on Sunday. But yeah, Abel Ruiz is the real one, Scott, who, I, who would implore people to keep an eye on because a lot of the Premier League clubs are doing the same thing. We're talking about a match. Are Spain going to win, Graham? match prediction yeah I I, th- I think the Spain team having gone through it um, actually for the first time I think the experience in the Spain team is phenomenal I think Spain might just have too much um, Senchat and Ruiz um, close game I'd say 2-1 Spain just because the experience in the Spanish team typical England fan <laughs> Toby more optimism yeah, England have got a good team as well. Spain have got a lot of experience, sure, but England have got Levi Colwell in defence. Uh, midfield, Angel, Angel Gomez has been playing really, really well, hasn't he? There's been a lot of chat actually on social media that why did Manchester United let this guy go? Well, I said that at the time. Like, you know. Yeah, he's been very impressive. Harvey Elliott doing well as well. Anthony Gordon, Morgan Gibbs-White. There's plenty of talent in that England team and they are fine? capable of winning. It's a final, isn't it? It's one game, so... You know, I think it's fifty-fifty split. Could go either way. Scott, do you find it interesting seeing James Garner play at right back role, a position I saw him play on the last day of the season at Everton, actually, where he was actually almost playing that pivot role. Um, very good footballer. Do you find it really interesting to see him playing that role. Amazing, that, that is incredibly. Interesting. Give, give, given that is a role that he could have, he could have taken on United, but we never. I, I must admit, I didn't see him as a right back, but he's taking that role a lot more now. Well, there's a lot of players that are fitting into 
you know, that right back position that play in central, we put Moises Caicedo in that, you know, I'm not saying he's as good as that, but like, yeah, I mean, James Garner, one of the few examples over the last few years of Man United selling academy products for more than a pittance in football terms. Uh, but that even that was not quite, not a lot of money and United will be needing to do more of those deals for a little bit more money if they're to maneuver in the transfer market this summer. But that is the end of today's show. That is it for Talking Transfers for this week. We'll be back next week, usually Tuesdays and Fridays, where we're going to run throughout the summer, throughout the transfer window. I've been Scott, joined by Graham and Toby from 19min. Please subscribe to all your major podcast platforms. Follow us at double underscore Scott Saunders, at Toby underscore Cudworth, and at Graham Bailey on the Twitter, and at Graham B. Bailey on Threads. Threads is a thing. Yes, yeah, main Scotland threads. threads. Yeah, we're we'll on support, threads. We'll, we'll see. But I'm not, I've, most, most of my stuff will be on, all the good stuff will be on Twitter still. Yes, indeed. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back, as we say, next week. Until next time, this has been Talking Transfers. Thanks for listening. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.